You can be a man of courage, of honor, of integrity. You can be the father, the husband, the leader that your family and your community needs. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Hey guys, Josh Hatcher here for the Manlyhood Mancast. This is a different episode today. I was actually given the opportunity to speak at my church, Open Arms Community Church, this weekend, the church that I attend. Uh, I don't get that opportunity often, so it was kind of fun to do. Uh, And uh, we did a series called By Design, where we're talking about God's design for men and for women, how we work together. And this was my portion of that series where we talked about God's design for men. So please, check it out. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are. Whether you agree or disagree with the spiritual aspect of it, at least give it a listen so you can understand uh, how I believe that it fits in. All right, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think about it. So please hop in the Manlyhood Man Cave, leave your comments. I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. Hey, listen, uh, before we jump into our message, I really felt impressed on my heart last night that as a church, we needed to pray together about something. So let me just kind of share with you and then we'll pray. So it's very evident and very clear that God's doing something really interesting and different in the life of the church. And I don't just mean open arms. I mean the church, the body of Christ worldwide. It's um, for a long time, I think the church has been about come and see you know, and filling our empty seats, and that matters, but I don't think we meant ever for it to be the point. The point is it's about us going and making disciples, and that's starting to happen across the world. People are seeing this shift and this focus, and I'm hearing people talk about that that I've never heard talk about that before, and I'm seeing it happen here in our church in a way that it's never happened before, and I really feel like as we're doing that, the body of Christ is an army that's going to war against the forces of darkness. And we are on those front lines, but it's God's battle. But as a result, the enemy's like, hey, let me take this person out. And he hits them where they're weak. So, you know, if you've got a health problem or if you've got a, a, a depression issue or a mental health issue, the enemy's going to try to use that against us. And I've seen it. I've heard it. I've heard story after story after story. I've also heard story after story after story of how God did the impossible for the people that were praying and the people who were stepping up. You know, I mean, heck, I had a heart attack and there's no damage. Um, I, know a, I know a little girl uh, this weekend, who, a little baby whose uh, family are Christians and she had a seizure and then they took her to the doctor. They were all scared that she was dying and there was nothing wrong with her. Um, God is... is hanging out that head of the enemy that we talked about in that song, right? So I really feel like we need to make sure that we're fighting. So that's what I want to do. Let's take a minute and let's fight. Father God, you are good. You are the king. 
the master, the ruler over all. And God, we submit to your authority. God, we stand together on behalf of everybody that we love and that we know that the enemy is coming against. We stand against addictions. We stand against secret sins. We stand against uh, baggage and past hurts and mental illness and all the things that the enemy wants to use against us, against heart conditions and against uh, medical diagnosis, God, anything that's an open door or a foothold for the enemy, God, we stand against that together now. We want to be a free people who fight alongside you for freedom, for truth, for justice, for love. Not against people that disagree with us, God, but against the enemy. Because those people are your people and we want them to be restored to you. So give us a heart for you. Give us a heart for them. And let us do what it is you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I know that's not related to our message, but it might be a little bit. But that's just because God does his thing. So... We have been talking about the idea of the design that God had when he made mankind or humankind. We're talking about the differences between men and about women. Last week, Eric and Zoe shared a little bit about how, um, how we work together as men and women and, and, and God's instructions for that and some examples of that. Today, we're going to talk specifically about men. So I want to show you a little uh, video on the screen here that we can talk over. We've got two men here. Now... Some of you guys are like, I don't know who they are. You're too young. Some of you are like, I don't know who they are. You're too old. Um, <laughs> uh, in case you don't know, this is Mr. T and Mr. Rogers, right? Yeah, Sheridan knows. That's Mr. Rogers and that's Mr. T. I pity the fool and won't you be my neighbor, right? We, we, we love these guys. We know these guys, right? Those of us who, many of us grew up watching them on television. I remember... Um, watching, I, I literally on Saturday mornings, I would flip back and forth between one and the other of them. But I remember my grandmother coming in the house one day, Mr. Rogers was on and I was just sitting there just glued to it. And my dad was sitting next to me, just glued to it. And she was like, why do you want to watch that guy? He's all light in the loafers. And, and my dad was like, no, he's not <laughs> because he was teaching kids and he was teaching great lessons. And he would take us to the crayon factory and we could see how crayons were made. Right. Meanwhile, Mr. T is teaching kids to say no to drugs and to stand up and to love your mama and say your prayers. These two men look very, very different from each other, right? Is one more manly than the other? No. Let me tell you something. There's a lot that these men have in common. One, their first name is both Mr. <laughs> Two, they both love Jesus. Three, they both love their mamas a lot. They also both loved children, devoted their lives to answer the calling to love and teach children through educational television programming. How awesome is that, right? Now, it's easy to look at uh, Mr. T, B.A. Baracus from the A-Team and see this muscled up hairy guy and say, he's very definitely manly. It might be a little bit harder sometimes for us to look at Mr. Rogers, who's much more gentle and kind and slim and to see him as manly. We, it, culturally, we have a hard time with that, but the honest truth is they're both manly men. You know, and if you ever doubt uh, Fred Rogers' manliness, I'll tell you, get online and look up Fred Rogers before Congress, and you can see this guy stand in front of 
Congress and rip them a new one. Did I say that? Am I allowed to say that? I don't care. I said it. He ripped Congress a new one because they were withholding funding from children's programming, which he believed that was his mission in life. And he, he let them have it. And you'd be like, that's a man. If you also ever question it, um, after he died, his wife told a story in an interview, and I love this. Uh, she said that Fred Rogers could fart on demand. <laughs> and he would frequently just like conveniently let one out at inopportune times so they could laugh and joke. You know, the waitress would come at the restaurant and he'd be like, toot, you know, and she, they'd get a kick out of it and laugh. I mean, that's a man thing, definitely, right? <laughs> um, yeah, we all know how that works. Um, but guys, this is my point, and that is that manliness isn't defined by outside appearance. Okay, manhood is not just one thing. God made men with different strengths and different traits. So don't just write yourself off as not manly because you're different than someone else. I've done a lot of work with men over the years. I've held some men's retreats, things like that. And I remember I invited someone to come to a, a men's retreat that we were doing one time. And I said, hey, you should really come to this. I think you're going to really have a good time. You're going to get to know these guys and you're going to feel connected with it. And he said, you know, I, I, that's not my thing. Why not? I, I just, I, I'm not manly like that. I'm not, I, that's, I, I just, I don't feel like a man. I don't even, and I'm like, Wow. You know, and I've heard men say that. I, I don't feel like I'm a man. Which is a sad state of our culture that we can have to question that. But that's where it is. I, I think it's important to know and understand that just because you're different than somebody else doesn't mean you're less of a man. Okay? Just because, you know, you wear Crocs with socks doesn't mean you're less than a man. You know, I, like, that's not what defines this. Okay? So as we talk about men today, women, I don't want you to tune me out, okay? Don't be like, oh, he's talking about men. I'm checked out. I don't have anything to hear. No, because a lot of the things that scripture says that are directed towards men, they, sometimes they apply to women too, right? They, it's something that really all of us should do. So I want you to listen and ask God to show you what he wants for you out of this. Don't just say, oh, he's just talking to men today. This is for all of us. Also, it's going to help you understand men better. And I don't care whether you have a man or don't need a man. You have to relate with men somewhere. So it's going to help. I really do believe it will help you to understand men and how we're wired. So let's look at the very beginning. We talked a little bit about this in the, the series Choice. We talked a little bit about, about it last week. God made men and he said it was good. And then we learned last week that it was what was not good about it was that man was alone. And so Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So that verse right there has been misconstrued very often. And I'll just kind of explain the process of how it's been misconstrued a little bit so you can kind of see it. Uh, in the King James, it says, A help meet for him. And I think... Sometimes when people read the King James English now, all these years later, they don't understand it, so they make up meanings to justify what it says. A help meet for him has kind of evolved into this concept of a help mate. That's not what it says. This is a help meet for him, and it means something. But they made up a new meaning, and the new meaning is basically that, oh, uh, man was alone, and, he need, and God needed to make a woman to complete him. So he made a help meet for him, a help mate for him, and that's not what it says. Okay, if you look at the language, the original language, which was Hebrew, the, that 
concept of a help meet for him. It means a help equal to him, a help that can rise to the same standard that he does, a help that is uh, suitable for him. So woman was not made to be underneath man. Woman was made to be with man. Okay, that's important to understand before we can go anywhere else. So men and women both have value, equal value before God. We see that all through scripture. And we were made distinctly and for a purpose, God's purpose. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you believe in God or not. I know that God made you for a purpose, his purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, your purpose is his purpose. And if you want to know that, you need to dig into that and you need to discover that and unpack it. So I know a lot of people who will say that I don't know my purpose. I don't know why I'm here. You're here because God loves you and he made you so that you can have a relationship with him. There's your purpose. It might look a little bit different in how it gets expressed for you. I'll let you work that out with God. But that's the bottom line. You were made because God loves you before you were ever created and he wanted a relationship with you. That's your purpose. That's why God made us. So generally speaking, and, and I know we're speaking with generalities here because we're all a little bit different, right? We're uniquely made. We're uniquely created. But generally speaking, men are very different than women. There are things that are in our DNA that are hard-coded. There are chromosomal differences. There are DNA differences. They're hard-coded gender-wise, sex-wise to make us who we are, that make us different from women. Culture is telling you something different these days. I don't care what culture says. I care what the truth is. Let's just look at it scientifically. We're different, okay? God made us that way on purpose. Ryan Mickler, who's a guy on the internet, uh, <laughs> he says that men are created to protect, provide, and preside. I really like the way that's worded, so we're going to kind of unpack what that looks like for us. That is, is really part of that unique purpose of a man, is to protect, provide, and preside. Let's talk about what that means. First of all, let's look at the word protect. We are made in God's image, right? Man and woman. We're made in God's image, and part of that male part of that is, is to be a protector, because isn't God a protector? I mean, really, that's for women, too. We need to look after those. The widow, the orphan, the refugee. That's all through Scripture we see that. God calls us to protect those that are weaker than ourselves, that, that need protection. Uh, let's look at this verse in Luke. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. It says, When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. Wherever you're at in your station of life, there is somebody who needs what you have. There's someone who needs to be protected, to be looked after. There's someone whose situation is worse than your situation. And we are all called to look after that person and to take care of that person in whatever way that means. So as we talk about that concept of protection, I'll, I'll describe this physically for a minute, okay? Physical protection. I guarantee you that there's a lot of men in this room who, whether it's uh, for, by their training or the way they've been brought up, they sit in a position in the room where they can see the doors and they know who's coming in and out. And they're prepared, if it's a bad guy, to take them out. You know, I remember reading a, a quote one time that said, I think it was from a general, an, uh, an army general that said, uh, be kind, be polite, and have a plan to kill everybody in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that that's the, the actual plan here, but the concept is be aware of what's happening around you. Be aware. You know what? If you see somebody that is hurting somebody, you step up and you protect. Um, you know, I'll tell you, I, 
I'll tell you a story. I went, actually, my buddy Greg and I were playing at a, at a bar, and we, we left the bar and went over to Country Fair at about 2 in the morning when all the bars let out. And there was a group of us that walked in, and um, somebody, like, gestured for this guy to come outside, and they just randomly sucker punched him. These guys were high on drugs. Like, they were stoned out of their mind, and they didn't even know him. They just wanted to randomly knock him out and started stomping him. And... I remember, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just like, this is nature, okay? My nature said, we've got to protect this guy, and I just ran out the door. I was scared out of my mind because, you know, I have no idea what drugs they are on. I have no idea if they have weapons, and there's two of them. And I know I'm a big guy, but come on. They just decimated this guy. And I walk out, and I'm ready to go. I'm looking around. Is there anything I can use as a weapon to protect myself and to protect this guy? And as I kind of turned around, I realized everybody in the store, all the men in the store, emptied out with me. And we came up and we kind of, you know, scared the guys back so that we could protect and take care of this guy. I know that a lot of you have seen this kind of thing happen, right? You've been there. Maybe you're at a store and you see a husband or a boyfriend or whatever who's berating a woman and starting to make her feel very uncomfortable. You can tell by her eyes. You know what? That's a great time just to stand close. Make eye contact with the guy that's being a jerk and let him know that you see him. And I don't care if you're little or if you're big. A lot of times that makes that idiot go, oh, yeah, I barely better shut up. People are noticing me now. You don't even have to fight, okay? I'm not even talking about that. But I do have to say, as men, we're called to protect, which might mean putting yourself in danger to protect somebody. But I'm not just talking about physical protection here. I'm also talking about spiritual protection. We talked earlier about spiritual warfare. We talked about the fact that the enemy wants to take you out he wants to take your wife out, wants to take your kids out, your neighbors out. Men, get on your knees and pray. Do battle on behalf of those people. Don't let those influences in your house. You're the gatekeeper of your home. Your job is to protect your home. Are you allowing junk into your home? You know, I'll tell you, I've got to make some changes to my diet and get myself healthy. I'm going to have to say, look, we're not bringing Oreos in this house anymore. Right? If I see that there's negative media affecting my children or affecting my wife, I'm going to have to say, we're, we're shutting this off. We're not watching this anymore. This is not happening in my house. You have to protect your family. If you know that your wife is struggling or that your kids are struggling or that somebody you care about is struggling with anxiety or with depression or with whatever, you do battle. You get on your knees and you fight for them. And you protect them with your prayers. That's our calling as men. That's a serious part of it. So as we talk about that, though, I, I want to address this for a second. You know, we're not having a marriage series here, okay? This is a series about the differences between men and women. Sometimes in the Bible, the, the passages that talk about men and women and the differences between them are in the context of marriage. So as we read these things, just keep that in mind. We're talking about a marriage we can learn from them whether we're married to them or not. I'm going to tell you what, I don't treat all women like I treat my wife, right? I probably shouldn't. I'm going to, ladies, if you come up to me for a hug, I'm going to hug you different than I hug my wife, right? I mean, you understand that. That's the way it should be. So, yes, there is a very specific difference in the way that I should treat my wife than the way that I treat other women, but there's some things we can pull out of Scripture here. So 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says this, 
In the same way, you husbands should give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Some translations talk about the weaker here, and they talk about the, the word they use to describe as a weaker vessel. Okay? Do not mistake weaker for lesser, though. Okay? I know that generally we think of men as stronger than a woman. Genetically, we have more upper body strength. We typically will run faster, actually. Uh, so, you know, in, and emotionally, we tend to handle things a little different, maybe a little more stoically. So we tend to be a little stronger or viewed as stronger than women. And just really quick, anybody that thinks that a woman is not as strong as a man has never watched a woman give a natural childbirth without any drugs. And they've also never been punched by my daughter Shiloh, who is probably the hardest puncher I've ever met. <laughs> so I, I just want to make that clear. But I, I want you to understand that when we talk about that weaker vessel, that word vessel is important. And it, I think it may be lost a little bit in the translation here. A woman is a Ming vase. Okay, that's a Japanese vase that was made thousands, hundreds of years ago. It's not weak. It has survived for hundreds or thousands of years. It's not weak, but it is precious. It's not delicate. It's valuable. And so do you think you just like play football with the Ming vase? No. You protect it because it's valuable. That's what we're getting at here. It's precious. And that's how we need to treat others. That's how we need to treat, especially men. That's our relationship with women is we need to treat them as though they're valuable. We see all through scripture those commands about treating children and, and, uh, and women with respect, treating them with honor, right? So it's important to understand, guys, in that root word that's in there, that weaker that's in there, if you look at the Greek word that's used and look at other places that same word is used, it's, I love that it's used in the verse in Corinthians where it talks about the weaker things in the world that are used to confound the wise. So there's value there. We're not talking about something that is weak, like, oh, you're weak. No, that's not what we're saying. What we're talking about is value, and we're talking about honor. So Chuck Holton, who wrote the book Making Men, which we've had a lot of groups here at the church go through that book. It's an excellent book. Men, I highly encourage you to read it. Uh, but it says this, a man of honor values things rightly. A man of honor values things rightly. So let's take a look at what that looks like. Let's give some practical examples. Let's say, man, that you're at home and you're playing uh, your Call of Duty game and your kid comes up and interrupts you while you're playing the game. Do you cuss him out for interrupting your kill shot? No, because what's more valuable, your kid or the video game? Your kid is more valuable. Exactly. Your kid is more valuable. Let's say that, um, let's talk about porn for a second. We know that the women who are involved in making porn are often uh, treated very badly. Okay? They are often not really enjoying what's happening. They're often in that situation because they've been drugged up, they've been forced into this life, and they don't want to be there. So basically, they're working in human trafficking, they're working as slaves. That's not good. It's not about the money for them. It's not about the pleasure for them. It's because they're being exploited. So if we value things rightly, do we participate in that? No. What about um, really anything? Do you value, what do you value more? 
What is the right thing to value? If somebody needs your time, somebody needs your, your attention, you give that because you honor that. And you have to put things in the right order and in the proper priority, okay? That matters. That's what men do. That's what it means to honor, is to put things in the right and proper value. You treat them according to their importance. Here's another example. Turning a blind eye to injustice. Let's say that uh, you see something happening that you know is wrong, that's, that's it's unjust. Like, no, I'm not touching that. Is that manly? No. Is that valuing things rightly? No. If you're a man, you're going to stand up against it. And you're going to protect those who need to be protected. So... The next thing, guys, we'll go over this one is provide, to provide. I'm going to read a couple scriptures for you. They might sound harsh. I don't care. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Don't you remember the rule we had when we lived with you? If you don't work, you don't eat. And now we're getting reports that a bunch of lazy good-for-nothings are taking advantage of you. This must not be tolerated. We command them to get to work immediately. No excuses, no arguments, and earn their own keep. Friends, don't slack off in doing your duty. Now, I have a couple butthurt disclaimers for you in case anybody's butthurt. Um, just because your wife makes more than you does not make you less of a man, okay? Since we're talking about a man as a provider, that's not what we're talking about. If you're disabled and you can't work to provide or, you're, or whatever reason, you're not in a position where you can provide, maybe you're out of work and you're looking for work, I'm not condemning you or judging your situation, okay? Just because you can't provide for your family in this moment or you can't provide enough for your family in this moment. I will ask you, though, if you, don't, if you can't work, what can you do to contribute to your family or to your community? Because I don't care if you've... If, I mean, you could just have no arms and legs and be in a wheelchair and not be able to do, move anything but your neck. You can do something to be a light. You can do something to contribute, even if it's just saying kind words. Wherever you're at, whatever situation you're in, contribute. Be a person that makes things better, okay? But honestly, for the most part, most of us can do our job, right? It's important to know and understand that my job, okay, is not necessarily to provide, but to make sure that God's provision gets to my family. It is, God is ultimately the provider. I don't care if you're making a million bucks a year or if you're working 45 hours a day. There's not 45 hours in a day. I think there's 24 hours in a day. But I went to Port Allegheny High School. Sometimes I get confused about these things. <laughs> but however many hours a day you work, I don't care how much you work and how much you think you earned it, God provides. You make sure it gets to where it needs to go, right? Your job is to, is to uh, take what's given to you and to use it properly to make sure that the needs are being met. That is what your job is. So maybe you, uh, maybe you got laid off. You know what? You got laid off and you're eligible for unemployment. You make sure that your money gets where it needs to go so that your family's needs are taken care of, that you're not squandering it, that it's being used properly. All right? Your job is not to be a mooch and to earn your keep. I want to make it clear too, guys. I'm not shaming needy people because I understand what it's like to need help. I have been there. I've needed help. I've been in positions where I could not pay a bill, where I could not do what I needed to do. So part of that is also, part of being a provider, men, is also being humble enough to say, I'm doing what I can. I'm doing everything I can to try to make ends meet, including if that means flipping burgers at McDonald's or whatever I need to do 
but I might need a little bit of help. That's okay, and that takes humility, and that's hard for men to do. Don't make your wife do it. Man up and do it, okay? But that, that concept and that point of making sure that you are providing, it matters. Um, one more little um, butthurt butt disclaimer for you. Actually, this might be a little bit of butthurt. I'm not going to say a lot about it, but I'm going to say it. It must really suck to pay child support. But I think it would suck a heck of a lot worse to be a kid whose dad resents taking care of him. So if that's you, do what you're supposed to do, okay? Now, the next thing. We talked about protecting, providing. We're going to talk about presiding. To preside means to rule. Now, we mentioned last week uh, when we were looking in Genesis, we see that when God made man and woman in his image, he gave them a job to do. He told them to take dominion, right? He told them to rule over creation, man and woman, not just men. So yes, I am speaking to men, but really this also, there's a whole lot here, guys. Men are called to walk in authority and leadership in their homes, their jobs, their communities. Let's talk about what this is not, though. Also in Genesis, after the fall, we also learned about that recently, right? You remember when we did the choice series and we talked about when Eve ate the apple? It actually probably, it doesn't say apple, does it? It says fruit. So maybe it was a nasty fruit like a durian fruit or something because apples are awesome. So I doubt it was an apple. But um, she ate the fruit, right? And then... God put before them blessings and he put before them curses. They chose curses. And then we read this. This is part of the curse. It says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I've heard this verse used so poorly. I've heard this little tiny second. In fact, that's only the second half of the verse. And I've heard it used to say that a man should rule over his woman. That's a privilege that he now has because of the curse. No. Let me give you a for example. Okay. Anybody here, when they were young, ever chewed tobacco or smoke a cigar? Well, you can raise your hand. It's okay. I won't judge you. Oh, yeah. Okay. I've all, I, I, yeah, I, I smoked a cigar or two in my day. But um, you ever hear the story? And I think it might have been an urban legend, but I think every kid heard it, and it was supposed to scare them from doing that. And it was, kid gets chewing tobacco and gets caught chewing it, and the dad says, oh, if you're going to do that, you're going to chew the whole thing. The kid gets sick, and he throws up. Let me ask you a question. Is the puke part of the plan? Is the puke what the dad wants? No, it's the consequence of the bad decision, right? That's what this is in the curse. This is a consequence of the bad decision. The fact that between man and woman, there is contention is because of the curse. That's not the blessing of God. God did not put a blessing on man saying, men, you can now rule over your wives because because of this. No, this is a curse. The fact that there's trouble between us. This is not the blessing. This is not privilege. Okay. Make sure we understand that very clearly. Now, I also want to, I, I do believe in the concept of, of uh, the male authority in the home. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. But I, I want to make it clear that the reason why is not Eve screwed up. So now I'm the boss. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here. This is the consequence of sin that causes that tension between us. While we're here and we're talking about Genesis, we're kind of camped out here. Let's talk about this for a minute. Where was Adam during the fall? What was Adam's role in this? 
Did it all just happen on Eve's part? Where was he? What was he doing? Why did, you know, honestly, the truth is he was there, I think, because he made it. Why did he listen to her when she said, we should eat this? He knew what it was. He knew what was happening when he ate it. He wasn't deceived by Eve into eating it. He knew what was going on. He chose to eat it. Adam abdicated his responsibility. If he had done his job, Eve probably might not have sinned. Because he would have said, no, hon, we're not touching that. When she did, and he did, what did he do? And God called him out. He blamed her and he blamed God for it. No, that's not what we're talking about here. That is not leadership. In fact, leadership is responsibility. If somebody in your family screws up, you're responsible to make it right. Honestly, responsibility doesn't, it doesn't matter who screwed it up. There's something wrong. I'm going to take responsibility to make it right. I had an animal get into my trash the other day. And I was out in the backyard and I found in the woods a pile of trash. I started picking it up. Some of it was my trash. Some of it was my neighbor's trash. Should I leave my neighbor's trash to pick up mine? No. I take responsibility and I pick it all up. Right? That's what leadership is. Leadership is also about service. L listen to this verse from Matthew. Jesus is uh, hanging out with his disciples. And I'm pretty sure that this is the section where... One of the disciples' moms comes to him and says, when you get to heaven, can my son sit next to you, Jesus? And he's like, ah, no, hold up, listen. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Guys, leadership is not lordship. So when I say that a man is meant to rule, I'm saying that a man is meant to serve. If you're meant to lead, you're meant to serve. It's also not exclusive to men because God gave us both the command to lead. We'll talk about that in a minute. You also don't have to be the boss to be a leader, right? Do you have to be the boss to lead? I remember a job that I took one time where I was actually the low guy on the totem pole and I came in and it was a mess. Uh, there wasn't a very clear path or structure for how the work was supposed to get done. And there were people who all outranked me that had no idea what they were doing. And if they didn't get what they needed to do their job, I didn't get what I needed to do my job. And there was a lot of reasons why this was and I wasn't gonna sit there and blame anybody. I said, we need a system. So I put it in order and I had to kind of, a couple times I might've had to be a little bossy. I tried to do it gracefully. I wasn't going to get credit for it. I wasn't going to get honor for it. I wasn't going to raise for it. It had to be done. I don't tell that story. If leadership isn't making America great again, whose job is it to make America great again? Yeah, that's my job, right? It, it comes down to us. It's not about somebody else doing their job. Leadership doesn't matter where on that totem pole you're sitting. You do it and you get it done and you do it right and you serve. So, like I said earlier, I do believe in, in a, a, a biblical order. I do believe that the father and the husband has authority. I don't believe that that means that women aren't leaders. You know, if we look at Proverbs chapter 31, 
we see this picture of an ideal woman. She's clearly a leader in that position. I think we've created this false dichotomy where we have a patriarchy, which is men leading, and we have a matriarchy, which is women leading, and we think that one of them has to be torn down in order to support the other. No, really, honestly, we need to lead together, right? We need to lead together. I know this. I know that as a man, it is really easy to do what Adam did, to abdicate our responsibility, to say, I'm not touching that one. That is not what it means to be a man. Yes, sometimes you might have to say, all right, I'm going to prioritize, I'm going to value things rightly. This thing can wait. We'll deal with that later. But you still have to deal with it. We have to lead. We have to provide and make sure that the provision that God has for us is getting to where it needs to go. We have to protect both spiritually and physically. We have to use what we've been given so that we can honor God with it. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 10, verse 12. This is David on his deathbed giving um, a blessing to his son that's going to take over the throne. He says, Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. So the King James Version here says, Be of good courage and let us play the men for our people. I like the way that's worded. Uh, that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to lead, to love, to have courage, to do the right thing for our people. Ellen G. White said this, and I'll read it to you. It says, The greatest want of the world is the want of men, men who will not be bought or sold, men who in their inmost souls are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. I do believe today that God has given us a moment. He's given us an opportunity to set things right, to be on the right path. And I don't think this is just for men, but I do think it's especially for men, right? Not exclusively, but especially for men. This is a moment for us to say, I'm done playing games. I'm done settling for less. I'm done letting life happen to me and I'm going to happen to it. God wants to use us to do awesome and mighty things. The kingdom of God needs us. Our community needs us. Our family needs us. Men, you matter. You are important. I don't care what culture tells you. You matter and you're important. It's time to step into it. So why don't we pray? God, right now I repent I change, I turn from my tendency to abdicate responsibility and I take the responsibility you've given me. It is a calling. I ask that you would give me courage where I don't have it, make me strong so that I can lead people in love. That I can be an example like you are. Forgive me for letting things happen in my life and around me that shouldn't. I pray, God, that you would strengthen my feet, that you would strengthen my legs so that I can stand tall and do what it is you've called me to do. 
I don't want to be another stupid dad from TV whose kids get away with everything, whose wife despises him. I want to be the man that you've made me to be, a man worthy of honor and respect because I give honor and respect. So if there's anything in me, God, that's in the way, I pray you would rip it out. I give my life to you today and now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Hey, man. I see you. I see your fire going out. I see your marriage barely holding on. I know you're broke, wore out, and at the end of your rope. I've been there. It sucks. Sucks the spark right out of you. Till all you have is a pile of wet wood. It feels like it's never going to burn. I can't fix your problems. I can't make her love you again. I can't lose 50 pounds for you or fill your bank account. But I can remind you of who you are. I can share some of my fire. I can help you make a plan to get your life back on track. So let's go. Let's do this. Let's reignite our lives. There's a lot at stake. No one wants their marriage to end in divorce. No one wants to wallow in despair or to the dark places that follow. So let's do it. Let's reignite our lives. Let's reignite our passion, our marriage, our health, our career, our dreams, our mindset. Get reignited today. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. Men, you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast. 